Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. KYW Original Podcast. Ray Dininger, there were many, many times throughout the season where I asked you for a variety of different reasons what you think about Doug Peterson's future with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think just about every time the explanation you gave was you think he's going to return for a variety of reasons. So what was your reaction really over the past couple of days once Sunday's news broke about his job is not secure, what was your reaction to everything that's happened leading up to now? Surprised. Surprised. Not after the news came out over the weekend that they uh, they were going to have a, a second meeting because the first meeting didn't go well. Uh, to me, that was the first sort of, uh-oh, that this is not in a good place. Because I really thought that one of the, probably the main reason, that I, I felt uh, pretty sure that Doug was going to come back next year was I thought that the relationship between he and Jeff Lurie was a was a good one. You know that there was, unlike the Chip Kelly situation that uh, uh, that ended largely because of, uh, of personality differences between between Jeff and Chip, uh, and which reached the point where they were untenable. Uh, it seemed like even even in the midst of a pretty dismal season that the relationship, the personal relationship between Doug and Jeff was a good one. And given that, um, that, that Jeff would say, listen, this was a, a really rough year, but you know, the guy did win me a Super Bowl, So I got to give him another chance next year to get this thing turned around. When we found out over the weekend that their first meeting didn't go well. And that Jeff said, we got to do this again was the first, was the first indication that the relationship between the coach and the owner isn't quite as isn't quite as solid as we thought, and uh, so at that point, I began to think that there there was a chance that we could we could get to this point. I, I'm still surprised that it reached this point. Uh, you look at the history of the NFL over the last half century that they've been playing Super Bowls. Normally, a coach wins a Super Bowl and he's got job security for at least five or six years. Um, so to see. Um, Doug Peterson out just three years after we had a parade down Broad Street is very surprising to me. But uh, Jeff made it pretty clear yesterday he still has a lot of regard for for Doug, and the, he still regards him as a friend and talked about bringing him back and putting him in the Eagles Hall of Fame someday. But he felt that just for, in the here and the now, he needed new leadership. What did you think of the decision? Uh, I, still, I, I still have trouble really understanding everything. I, I guess what really puzzles me, and I think it puzzles a lot of other people, is if, if Jeff is that unhappy with where the team is right now, then, okay, if you really have to make change, did it really have to just begin and end with the head coach? I mean, I, I think the problem, I still say, <clears throat> the biggest problem with the team right now is the uh, is the roster. I just don't think they have enough good players. Uh, and I you know, I think that the responsibility for that really lies in the uh, in the front office with the with the general manager and the player personnel department and the guys that are in charge of of the drafting and the free agent signing. I just think they've done a very poor job over the last six years, and the roster reflects that. So, if the owner is really that unhappy with where the team is right now and felt like change, change was necessary, um, you know, why wasn't the change more sweeping? You know, why does Doug Peterson go? And Howie Roseman apparently stays in his current position. That, to me, was the most puzzling part. 
Jeffrey Lurie spoke for 42 minutes yesterday um, to address a variety of things. The main topics, Doug, Howie, the job opening that he now has to fill. Um, what did you think of yesterday's 42-minute session with the media? What stood out to you? What was kind of surprising for you to hear? What did you like, if anything? What stood out to you about yesterday's 42-minute press conference? Well, uh, I guess just the way it started. I mean, Jeff, I mean, he obviously still likes Doug. Uh, and when he discussed Doug, it was, you know, in, in the idea that he deserved, you know, I just, I mean, I'm sort of paraphrasing, but not by much. When he said, did Doug deserve to be fired? And he said, no. Uh, I mean, your first reaction listening is, okay, then why? You know, um, but it, it just, it really came down to, um, a difference in how they saw moving this team forward. I think that Doug looked like he wanted to um, try to win this year uh, and made decisions based on some continuity with his coaching staff and making decisions that he felt could help this team win immediately. And Jeff spoke in terms of transition and uh, seemed to be more – he never used the word rebuilding. No one likes to use the term rebuilding because that suggests – uh, accepting losing for a number of years. But when he talked about the team was sort of in transition or in a transitional phase, he was sort of suggesting the same thing, that he thought that it might be a couple of years to get this thing turned around. And uh, that was, you know, that, that he sort of laid out the difference in, in the vision of the two guys as being the difference between them that, that led us to this point. The other thing that I thought was interesting was that, uh, was the way Jeff spoke about Carson Wentz, who was the other big name uh, that was under the microscope all this season because of his regression and because of how poorly he played and wound up the season on the bench. Um, I mean, he's the highest profile player on the team. He's the highest salary player on the team. He's your quarterback. He's your leader. If you're going to win, it kind of has to start there. Um, By the end of the year, there seemed to be a lot of feeling that Carson Wentz was moving on. And Carson Wentz had even indicated, or through his people had indicated, that he wanted to move on. And uh, asked about Carson Wentz yesterday, Jeff Jeff talked a lot about how much he still believed in Carson Wentz, that he was a hard worker, that he was a guy that was dedicated, that he really wanted to win a, a leather Lombardi trophy, wanted to win it here in Philadelphia, on and on and on, uh, and talked about Carson Wentz being fixable. And it sort of suggested that maybe in the end, um, in, at least in part, it wasn't the whole driving force behind the decision, but maybe in part was that he believed in Carson Wentz maybe more than he believed in Doug Peterson. And the feeling was he couldn't bring them both back next year. That didn't seem to be a a workable situation. So perhaps in the end he made a decision that uh, if Wentz was going to stay, that Peterson had to go. How much of a mess, for a lack of better words, Ray, right now, do you think the Philadelphia Eagles are? And how do you think this is going to affect their search uh, for for what Jeffrey Lurie thinks is a very attractive job opening? Well, I think that's part of the problem. I'm not sure that it is that attractive a job opening when compared to some of the others that are out there. I mean, there's a lot of jobs that are open right now. Uh, and um, I don't know that the Eagles job is all that attractive. Uh, they have major roster problems. Um, I mean, every coach, when he's, when he's looking at a new situation, uh, he wants to get some idea of how much authority he's going to have, how much power he's going to have to pick his own coaching staff, to have to have a real voice in, in the draft and in personnel decisions. And it seems like, based on what Jeff was saying yesterday, 
that that really isn't going to change a whole lot, that Howie Roseman is still going to be in charge of the player personnel. He's going to be picking the players. He's going to be running the draft. And the Eagles have not drafted well now for about six years, and that's why they're in the personnel situation they're in. The other thing a coach would be looking for is, is what kind of shape is the roster and how many good young players do we have here to build around. The fact of the matter is the Eagles don't have many. The, most of their really good players are in their 30s and on the backside of their career. You look at the young players, not a lot. I mean, Miles Sanders looks like he's got a chance to be a real good player. Dallas Goddard has, has certainly shown some promise. Other than that, show me where the young talent is. I don't see it. So some another coach on the outside is looking at that. He's going to see that too. And um, I, I think that that's, that's a big part of it. I just think that if you've got these other coaches, the really good coaches, and there are some good ones available, and they're already interviewing for other jobs, you know, they're going to compare the situation they're stepping into in Philadelphia to other situations elsewhere. And uh, I don't know if the Eagles situation is all that desirable. Desirable or not, did, did it seem like Lurie, I don't know if lack of urgency is the right word, because I feel like if he finds the right candidate right away, he's going to hire that person. But did it seem like yesterday, that, that do you feel like Lurie should be in a little bit more of a rush he said no rush, but do you think he should he should operate under trying to find a replacement sooner than the other six teams that are looking for replacements? Well, I think he I think he has to be in a rush because they're behind right now. I mean, other teams have already done a number of interviews. Other teams had made the decision to move on from their coach a while ago. So, you know, the Eagles were late coming off the starting line on this one. You know, other teams have already gone out there. They've already kind of identified the guys they want. They've brought them in. They've talked to them. So, yeah, I mean, the idea that look, I'm not suggesting that, that Jeff Lurie should needs to rush into this thing or just grab a guy to just grab a guy. I mean, this is a big decision. This is a really big decision uh, that the next coach is going to take this team in, into the into the future, a team that's right now pretty troubled and needs a and, and needs a really good sense of direction and, and the right coach. You don't want to make a mistake here. I understand that, but the idea that you can take your time, I'm not sure you can do that either. I think you really, I think they really have to move because the really good coaches, the ones out there that everyone knows and everyone has identified, um, you know, other teams are circling them right now, and you're going to start seeing some of these guys get picked off. And um, if the Eagles don't move at a pretty good rate of speed, you know, they're going to to wind up, uh, I'm not going to say settling for somebody, but maybe not getting the guy that they actually wanted. Doug Peterson got fired less than 24 hours ago at this point, or at least the announcement was less than 24 hours ago at this point. So it's really early. I, I understand it's early in this process, that, which the Eagles are already behind in. But, Ray, if you had to make a prediction or have a sense of who you might think Land that lands that job. Who do you think it is? If, if I were to handicap this, um, you know, there, there are two guys to me that sort of stand out right now. I think Eric Bieniemy, who's the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, uh, is a very good coach. Everyone agrees on that. And uh, frankly, I was surprised that he didn't get a head coaching job after last season when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I thought that uh, that Eric was going to get a job then. Um, I think that he's he's a top top prospect right now, and the fact that he was the offensive coordinator under Andy Reid, who obviously still has close ties to Jeff Lurie, that Doug Peter that he holds the position right now that Doug Peterson held when Jeff Lurie hired him. I mean, offensive coordinator to Andy Reid—that's what Doug was. That's what Eric is. 
Uh, and we all know that, that Andy has fond feelings for Philadelphia, and he and Jeff are still in touch. Uh, and I'm sure that Andy would give Eric Bieniemy a glowing recommendation. So, uh, and he's an offensive coach, which is clearly what, which is clearly what Jeff wants. And uh, I, I think that he's a guy that Jeff would ha- absolutely have interest in. Um, but the problem is, everybody else that's hiring coaches right now, Eric Bieniemy's high on their list too. So it's going to be a lot of competition for his spot. Uh, the other guy is is Brian Dable, who's the uh, offensive coordinator in Buffalo. And the thing that makes uh, him attractive, at least in my eyes, is is the work that he's done with Josh Allen, who's the young quarterback in Buffalo. Uh, the progress that uh, Josh Allen has made under Brian Dable's coaching, the way he's developed him from what he was, who was a very raw, <laughs> very raw product coming out of college, to where he is now, where he's arguably one of the three, one of the three or four MVPs of the league this year and is more responsible than anyone for bringing the Buffalo Bills to where they are and a real serious challenger for the Super Bowl. I mean, you look at how far uh, Josh Allen has come, uh, a lot of that credit has to go to Brian Dable. And, you know, you're looking at the Eagles, the biggest question, if they really, if they really are planning on keeping Carson Wentz, is to get back to being a good team quickly is to get the quarterback straightened out. And there are a lot of similarities between Josh Allen and Carson Wentz and the way that they play, um, their kind of skill set. I mean, they're very analogous. And you look at the job that he did with Josh Allen and where he is right now and the way he's playing and what you have to do to get Carson Wentz back to what he was. Uh, to me, if Brian Dable would be a, a very interesting guy because if he did it with Josh Allen, you would think he'd have a really good chance of doing it with Carson Wentz. Last one I have for you, Ray. You're the author of three Eagles encyclopedias. Doug Peterson is the only coach in Eagles history to win a Super Bowl. When you look back at the past five years, how do you look back and assess Doug Peterson's tenure as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? You got to grade the success. You know, um, it's, I mean, he is, I mean, you just said it. I mean, he's the only coach here uh, in Philadelphia to win a Super Bowl. Uh, and uh, that's, that's the end game. I mean, that's, that's what you're talking about. I mean, and I've had other really good coaches here. They've had other coaches here that won. Um, you look at the coaches that Jeff Lurie's hired, they've all had success. I mean, Ray Rhodes, Andy Reid, certainly, even Chip Kelly, who had a relatively short time. I mean, all those guys were coach of the year at one point or another. Doug Peterson never was, but he won the grand prize, which was winning a Super Bowl. So I, I look at, um, I, you, you look back on Doug Peterson's career. Yeah, I mean, he, he brought Philadelphia the thing that the fans here have always been wanting, which is uh, a Lombardi trophy. And, uh, you know, this past year was a miserable year, uh, but it wasn't purely because of the head coach. I mean, he didn't have a great year, but this wasn't all his fault. And uh, I, I really don't think that anybody looks at it that way now that he leaves the town. I think people realize this was an organizational failure, and it went all the way from the top all the way down to the bottom. And Doug was part of it, but it wasn't all just about the head coach. The organization needs to take a good long look in the mirror while they're looking for the new coach if they're going to get this thing straightened out. Ray, I appreciate your insight and time as always. I guess the next time we'll chat is if there's another big move with the Eagles, and I have to assume that's going to be whenever they hire the next head coach. So thanks for the time and stay safe. All right, you too, David. Talk to you then. Talk to you later, Ray. Hall of Famer Ray Dininger of 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 